What is up, everyone? I'm Mario Fraioli, and I'm excited to bring you the eighth installment of Common Ground, a monthly podcast co-hosted by me and Danae Doremi of The Grounded Podcast. I am super excited about this episode. It's one that Danae and I have been talking about for a long time, and it's one that many of you have been asking for. We've put together a Common Ground playlist, 10 songs from me, 10 songs from Danae, which you can access on Spotify, Apple Music, and YouTube in the show notes to this episode. There is no running talk at all this week, but we go through each of the songs that we chose and why we chose them, and we had a lot of fun doing it. This is actually the longest episode of Common Ground to date, but we hope you enjoy it along with the music that we both chose for the playlist. Before we get into it, a big thank you to New Balance for helping make this episode possible. I'm going to tell you once again about the new Fresh Foam X More V4. I have been logging miles in this shoe for the past month or so, and it's quickly become a favorite for recovery runs on the road. It's packed with plenty of plush foam underfoot, making it a perfect option for when I'm feeling a little beat up and I want some extra protection between my foot and the road. The upper fits like a glove, and it will accommodate a wide variety of foot types. The craziest thing about this shoe, however, is how responsive it is for just how much cushion is packed into it. It's rather lively, which is rare, for a max cushion shoe and I really love how it rides. It's also super lightweight and it feels like you have a cloud underneath your feet. The Fresh Foam X More V4 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your favorite run specialty retail store. I've also got a new sponsor to tell you about this week. It is Arena. If you don't have the time or just don't want to go to the gym, Arena is a serious strength training solution. Their product replaces a whole kit of free weights and bands. I have been using my Arena unit for a few weeks now, and I love this thing. I use it in my garage, but it would just as easily fit in your bedroom or living room. It's a stealthy-looking metal plyo box with a cable-based resistance system that produces up to 200 pounds of weight, but only weighs 50 pounds itself. You can use it to do deadlifts, squats, lunges, and a whole range of other strength and stability-focused exercises. When you're not using it, you could slide it under your bed if it's tall enough, or just put it in the closet. It's super easy to store. Arena uses a motor and a battery to create the resistance instead of lugging thousands of pounds and dollars, quite frankly, of free weights. You can adjust the resistance or take classes using their Go Arena app. And what I love about Arena is I don't have to think about it. I just find the workout that I want to do on the app and it counts my reps, it remembers my weight, and it guides me through the workout step by step. And also, this is some super exciting news that actually drops today, October 3rd. Arena is partnering with top Masters runner Ken Rideout, who is an athlete that I have been coaching for the past three years, and strength coach Todd Anderson, who is a colleague and co-collaborator of mine. And they've developed a strength program specifically for runners that you can find on the Go Arena app starting today, October 3rd. These workouts will help you improve your movement quality, Build a strong foundational base as a runner through stability and core strength. Develop speed and power. Make you more resistant to injury. And most importantly, get you ready for race day. Check out Arena and learn more on their website at arena.fit. That's A-R-E-N-A dot fit. And you can find them on social media at go.arena. That's at 
go.arena on social media. Okay, that's all I've got for the introduction. Please enjoy episode eight of Common Ground with me and Danae Dormy. Hey, Danae. Um, I'm super excited for this episode. I'm We're so going to do excited. something a little different this week. Yeah, welcome to our radio show. <laughs> yeah, welcome to our radio show. Uh, spoiler alert, we are not going to do any personal updates this month. Uh, we have a few that are, let's just say, like in limbo, um, that we're yeah. going to wait a few more weeks to, to share here on the next episode of Common Ground. But for this month's episode, Danae and I... Um, because one, we're excited about it, but two, um, the people are excited about it, are going to put together our playlist of mm -hmm. music that we enjoy. And, <laughs> yes, the Common Ground playlist. And for this particular version of it, because I hope this is something we end up doing you know, more often in the future, there Same. are really no rules. Um, and we didn't put any parameters around it. So um, each of us are going to share 10 songs that we enjoy. And it's kind of a mishmash of songs that are personally mm -hmm. important to us or have been at various points of our lives, or just songs that we've always enjoyed or might be enjoying now. But it's it's a bit of a free-for-all in terms of categorizing it. And maybe down the road, like we can dial it in a little bit more, do like favorite songs of 2022 or, you know, running playlist or whatever. But this is kind of like a Let's just call it top level playlist from Danae and I. Ten songs each, and I uh, like th this was like my favorite homework assignment that I've done in the last. I had so like, much fun. I've been years. just <laughs> listening to things on YouTube and Spotify, and it's funny you mentioned that you just like went for it with no theme and not a lot of direction. I feel like I, I, I was the same. I was like, okay, we didn't set a theme, we didn't put any restrictions on ourselves, mm -hmm. but. I do feel like I put songs on it that I also thought you would enjoy. Like I was mm. like, okay, these are songs that are representative of, I don't know, just like our musical taste a little bit. So I, there are definitely more songs throughout my life that are meaningful to me personally. I would say I did a little bit less of that and a little bit more. There's a couple of those for sure, but a little bit more of like, okay, this is something I really want to share with both the listeners yeah, and yeah. you. And it's like fitting to our aesthetic <laughs> musically. So I also have two to up to four songs that I think could potentially end up on both of our lists, but okay. even if they don't, I think um, would be, let's just say, mutually enjoyable to both of us. <laughs> I kept um, thinking, and, I'm sorry, I kept thinking, like, what if I put this on and Mario put it on? And then when I took it off, like, I was making cuts to my playlist. I was like, wait, what if I cut this and then he cut it too? And now it's not on our playlist. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to see what you came up with. And before we get into our respective lists, we are going to create this playlist on Spotify, on Apple Music, and on YouTube. And we will link mm -hmm. to them in the show notes. So whatever or wherever, I should say, you get 
your music, you can listen to our playlist because of um, mm-hmm. rights laws and all that sort of stuff. We can't actually play the music on <laughs> this podcast, um, but we will have links to all of it in the show notes so you can enjoy our respective playlists. Perfect. I'll share the links to everything like on social media as well. And I'm sure I'm sure you will for morning shakeout. Yes, we will. Uh, how do you want to start this? I feel like we should go one by one, like back and forth. I feel like that's okay. the best way to start. Um, mm-hmm. I, gosh, this is just so fun. I feel like I also, one thing I did try to intentionally make sure that there was good representation on my playlist in terms of like, like making sure there's like women on my playlist and like artists of color that I just like show, I think the range of music that I listen to, cause I'm someone who listens to a lot of genres. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really like ashamed of that. I try not to be too music snobby. Um, I just listen to so much music. My partner, I guess this is really good context. I know people might've listened to us in past episodes, but my partner works in music and he's a concert booker. So a uh, fun little fact is one of the people on my playlist, it, I'm going to their show tonight. So I'm really, excited that this is like setting the tone for it but um i will let you go first and okay i'm laughing i'm laughing over here because i i mean without talking about this aspect of it beforehand i tried to do the same thing with my list and just tried to pull out different genres of music um you know different Mm -hmm. racial backgrounds sexes like all that kind of stuff uh so it is like it's all over the place. I mean, without Sam, without yeah, spoiling it off the bat, no, my, my no list is all whatsoever. over the place. Um, and there is no particular order to this in terms of chronology or type of music. Um, it really is a mishmash and will be all over the place. So I'm happy to, to kick things off. Um, the first one on my list is Nirvana. And the song is a cover, actually. And it's Where Did You Sleep Last Night from the MTV of course it is, Unplugged <laughs> show in 1994, which I've linked to in the Morning Shakeout newsletter before. We've talked about it, I think, on this show. But that is the first one on my list. And the reason that I chose it is because I love Nirvana as a band. I came up with them as a, you know, as a, as a young kid, grew an appreciation for them years later after Kurt Cobain had passed mm-hmm. away and when I was just mature enough to appreciate um, good music, especially grunge music, which I think they really um, defined an era in in a lot of ways. But this particular show, um, you can watch the entire thing on YouTube. You can get it on Apple Music. I think you can get it on Spotify, the entire list. And this was the last song of that set. And listen to it on whatever platform you want, but watch the YouTube version. Yeah. Because it's it's an incredible cover. I read about this show and I mean Kurt Cobain said before he started playing, this will be the last song of the night. And he nailed it and put everything that he could into it. And they've covered this song before, but this was less than six months before Kurt Cobain took his own life. And mm-hmm. he was clearly in a lot of pain. If you watch the YouTube version, you can see it in his body language and in his face and knowing that and watching it, I think really puts it into to context. And I mean, he could have been, you know, sitting in his bedroom playing this by himself with no one else around. I think he was unaware that anyone was it's a good way to put the, it. Yeah. Like yeah, in, in the venue. Um, he <laughs> yeah. was, he was just like putting himself into it because I think it, you know, I can't speak for him obviously, but 
it was clear to me that it was bringing up a lot of like just emotions in him and you can see that he was in a in a hard time you can see the pain on his face uh when you watch it on youtube that all being said it's a spectacular performance i mean so this song is actually an old folk song and -hmm. it's been covered by a lot of people um lead belly he talks about it kind of in the um you know in the interim between songs um how this is his favorite cover and i've listened to other versions of it before and nothing else comes close um I agree. You know, it tells it tells a story but um it is definitely nirvana i mean you can tell just just by listening to it. it's completely acoustic um and kurt cobain just knocks it out of the park Totally. I have it on vinyl and I also put this song on. This is the one I was like, I feel like Mario and I are both going to pick this song. So I will pull. I It's actually the last song on my playlist. I did kind of put things in a particular order of like, I don't know. I craft a lot of playlists and I have a thing mm-hmm. about the order of which things go in. Um, and I like to put my favorite songs first and last. And so I okay. felt it's actually my last song on this playlist, but I can pull something in from the honorable mention. I already knew you were going to pick that most likely, but it's very, it's my favorite Nirvana song, which is ironic because it's not a Nirvana song, but I agree right. with you. It's very much something that needs to be watched like on, on YouTube or like physically seen. Um, so Great. I love that for us. I So my first song, I have a question for you, Mario. How much mm-hmm. do you know about Taylor Swift? Because I just, it's a hard, hard pivot from Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very hard pivot from Nirvana. I mean, I, I know of Taylor Swift. I know of her mm-hmm. popular mm-hmm. songs. <laughs> I enjoy them. I would not say that I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. I don't follow Taylor Swift news. I'm not a Swifty, unfortunately. (laughs) Sorry to break it to all of you out there in podcast Well, you're about to be a (laughs) Swifty. But I appreciate her as an artist. I mean, she's supremely talented. um, And I'm interested to hear what song you picked. I I'm very appreciative that you were so kind. I'm so used to defending my Taylor Swift love. I think especially as a woman of color, I understand that she is also represented, I think, uh, a stereotype in music of like a sort of a, a pop music um, white woman, and there's been a whole mm-hmm. there's been a whole lot of complexities to her journey as an artist, and um, she is she is first and foremost a, a songwriter. I think she's like a storyteller, and I've been listening to Taylor Swift since I was 15. I was introduced to her by a boy I had a crush on in high school. Like wow, what a throwback! And I listened to her first album on an mp3 player like not an ipod not just an old school like mp3 player with a tiny little screen and it it was like the only way i could listen to her and i I didn't have access to music the same way back then so i was like all i had were like the Mm -hmm. five songs from her album and i listened to them over and over and over again um i would then go on to see her in concert several times but i was very intentional in picking if if anyone out there is a swifty they will understand this pick this is a deep track for anyone who doesn't listen to taylor swift but if you do listen to taylor swift this is well known as her i would say maybe maybe one of the most meaningful songs to her fan base and i picked a very specific version of it that matters so um the song is all too well 10 minute version, Taylor's version. Those are like several different (laughs) titles. But the reason that that matters is I don't know how much you know about her controversy in terms of owning her own masters and being in kind of a legal battle with Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun. Mm -hmm. But um, not deep into it, but I'm aware. Yeah. So she basically she lost control of her masters because 
Scooter Braun, who is a big time like music executive and manager. I think he's managed like Demi Lovato, Justin Bieber, J Balvin. Like he's had some big names on his roster. Um, he bought and acquired Big Machine Records, which is where she recorded her first six albums. She was then like offered to buy them, but offered very insulting deals. And so she kind of continued to reject you know, the manipulation that was happening around her music and that music actually passed through several hands. So it belonged to, it belonged to big machine records. Scooter Braun sold it to himself in his own, um, like investment fund that was holding those records. And then, and that was in 2019. And then in 2020, he sold it to Disney's like private, I like private firm, like equity firm. And they acquired it and they tried to offer her equity partnership. She again rejected it. So she's kind of had to push back on this several times in these very like insulting offers for her first six mm-hmm. albums. So what she did after that second acquisition by Disney's firm is she started re-recording her albums one by one. Um, she's not releasing them in the order that she originally released them in. She's kind of just bouncing around. She's already re-released Fearless, which is an album that came out when I was in high school, and Red, which is an album that came out when I was in college. Probably, Probably my favorite Taylor Swift album of all time. And that was in 2012. And on Red is a song called All Too Well. It was originally written about Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) So very much celebrity drama. She was really young when they dated. So um, they only dated for like three months or something. And I think there's a lot of symbolism in this song around like early relationships, what it means to have that kind of age dynamic at play. Um, So... There was a rumor back in 2012 and for several years that there was a longer 10-minute version of this song. There was like a big rumor um, that All Too Well was, there was an original like version that was way longer than the three minutes that she released. And in her re-recording, which she released last year, um, she dropped the 10-minute version that everyone had been waiting for Uh. for like a decade. And the 10-minute version is not only owned by her, it's Taylor's version, but it's also obviously like something we've all been waiting for as fans. And she confirmed in an interview... I think like a couple weeks ago at a film festival um, because the the music video for it is pretty long as well. She played it on SNL. She did a lot of press around it and it won some awards at film festivals. Um, she did an interview saying that like there's a famous line in there about leaving her scarf at his sister's house about how it really like represented her virginity as like a teenager and like um, or she wasn't a teenager. I guess she was in her tw- or like 20. She was like 20. <laughs> um, so it was just a very... It's a very important song in the Taylor Swift like narrative, and I mm-hmm. felt like if I wanted to introduce people to her songwriting abilities and kind of, I guess, what she's endured in the music industry, I feel like this is the song that I had to put on there. It is 10 minutes, and I know like she is not going to be everyone's, uh, you know, she's not going to be interesting to everyone, and she's not going to appeal to everyone, but I do think she's incredibly underrated as a songwriter. She tells beautiful stories, she crafts very complex stories, and her most recent albums, Folklore and Evermore in the pandemic, were very masterful in my opinion. So I think it's just an important one to check out. So listen to it. Tell me what you think. (laughs) I will do that. Um, That's a great one to kick things off with. I love that it's a 10 minute version of it too. I mean, I I love. So she, it was the longest song. It set a record for being the longest song to hit the top spot on the billboard 200. And it, bumped the out of the record Don McLean's American Pie from 1972, which is nine wow. minutes long. So she also broke a very interesting record in music in that sense. Yeah. I um, 
just to go off on a little bit of a tangent, I love when I go to live shows and the artist will just kind of on a whim do a long version of one of their most yeah. popular songs. Uh, the longest I've I've ever heard, and I know they didn't release a version this long, but I've heard Counting Crows, and that this is not on my oh list, so this does not count to my 10. But um, Counting Crows did a 26-minute version of Round Here. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> which was just unbelievable. And it was, I mean, maybe a bit of a stretch to say that because they sort of like right. dipped into some other songs without fully committing to it and then came back to Round Here at the very mm. end. And then it was like, okay, we're done with it. Like they didn't take any other breaks in between, but they were like, okay, now we're done with it. But that was clearly That's like just a, an yeah. extended version of The Foo Fighters of do a lot here. of But I love that. Stuff. I love that kind yeah. of stuff. It's just interesting to, um, you know, watch artists take liberty with their creativity yeah. in that way. I'm, I'm definitely like uh, – I feel like I'm someone who likes to convert people into Taylor Swift fans and I know it doesn't feel like it has a lot of depth, but I think I came of age with her. So it was really important. Like Mm -hmm. we're almost the same age by like a year or two. So every time she released an album, it was like spot on to where I was in my life. So now that I'm 30, Mm -hmm. I think I've continued to like grow and evolve with her as an artist. So yeah, check it out. Check out the 10 minute version. It's great. (laughs) Cool. Uh, Back to me, I guess. So my second song uh, we are going from band to a solo artist, or at least for this song, she was a solo artist. But I am going with Lauren Hill. And yes, love it. This, you know what song I'm going with? No, I want to know what you picked. I don't know, uh, actually. Doo-wop, that thing. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's, Miseducation of that's Lauren Hill. <laughs> and the reason I, I chose that, so before she released this album which I think was like, I was in high school. Um, it was 98 or 99. I was a, a big and still am big Fuji's fan. And I listened to them all through like junior high and came up with them through high school, just really enjoyed their music. And this was her solo endeavor. And I've always been someone who pays attention to the lyrics of songs. And it's just mm-hmm. like one lyric in that song that um, I actually <laughs> included in my list of life lessons that I release for my birthday every year. But the the line is, how are you going to win when you ain't right within? And mm, I just mm-hmm. I just love that line. Um, and I think it's, you know, however you define win, it's like, you've got to be right within yourself um, if you're going to win at, at anything, you know, whether it's, you know, sports or some aspect of, of life, or if you're just going to thrive in, you know, some way, it's really hard to do that if you're not, Mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not right yourself first. And it was just that particular line that jumped out to me from that song, like from the very get go, like back, like, I mean, this is like probably over, over 20 years ago now, maybe 25 years ago now at at this point. Um, And I've just always had a lot of respect for Lauren Hill as an artist. I think she's brilliant. Um, And she's always been someone who as like a black woman has really just carved her own path and really hasn't given into, you know, like you were describing with Taylor Swift, like being taken advantage of and and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, she's been very careful not to let that happen to her. Not that it hasn't, but like she stood for stood for herself and behind her music. And I just have a ton of respect for her just as a human being and, and as an artist. Um, but that song and that line in particular is why I added this song to my playlist. 
I love that. I, her music is timeless. Like I think about how mm-hmm. much I listened to it while studying in college and mm-hmm. thinking about how old that record actually was then and realizing that it felt very contemporary. I just feel like she was definitely ahead of her time in that sense. And it's just, yeah, love it. So great choice. Yeah. I mean, a lot of her music is like, you know, still relevant today. Totally. Um, yeah. And, and I do think she has like an agelessness uh, about her, even though she's got to be close to 50 years old now, which is not old for anyone listening out there who might be close to 50 years old. But I mean, you know, as someone who like, right. grew up with her, it's like she's still um, in in my eyes anyway, even though in some ways she's kind of a contemporary of mine in terms of, of age, um, like I'll always see is in her late 20s, like yeah. early 30s. And, and just, sure. you know, that's just sort of like the you know, the image I I have of her, but that is my number two. Awesome. All right. Well, back to me. So my second song that I chose is called It's Over and it's by, it's probably by a group I'm not sure you're familiar with. They're called The Hallucination and it's featuring another group called Chippewa Travelers, which is a drum group. So this is, um, this is a native group and Hallucination, if for native people listening, probably will know what I'm talking about. They're very popular. They're formerly known as a tribe called Red. And they were founded in, I think, like 2007, roughly. But they changed up their name and they went from three members to two members. One of their members departed. And they kind of just rebranded themselves in 2021 to the hallucination officially. I think they've been going by the hallucination for a couple years. But they made the official switch to a new name. They, they, They just have a new identity now. But their music continues to honestly evolve and stay really, really good. So they are an electric powwow group. And I am not someone who is into like festivals, EDM, electric music at all, or electro pop. Like that is not really where I live in music. (laughs) Clearly, as we discuss every week on Common Ground, I'm much more in the pop, indie, alt, singer, songwriter vibes. Um, So this is definitely like a departure for me, but I've been listening to A Tribe Called Red slash Hallucination for, gosh, probably like like a little after they were founded, like since right when I got to college. So they were huge back when I was in college for native students. And what I love about them, it's very unique music. I really wish this is a moment where I wish we could play it on the show, but Mm -hmm. um, people really, I highly encourage you to check it out because if you're someone who's like, Oh, that's not really my genre. um, It's, so amazing what they're able to do artistically in blending powwow music, um, which is largely based with like hand drums or a a larger drum maybe, um, and blending that with like electric music and making it, you know, like a different version of dance, I think, which is really cool because powwow is largely grounded in dance competitions as well. And so they took two genres that are seemingly unconnected, but also have a lot of similarities and they made it one. And this is my favorite song that they've done just because I really like the feature with Chippewa Travelers, a a drum group. And it's so cool. Like there's just no one else doing music like this. I mean, I'm sure there's people now um, out there, but I really say that the hallucination kind of chartered this new this new path and this new genre of electric powwow so yeah i've got to get a shout out to them (laughs) cool i'm excited to check that out and since you just mentioned that i'm going to take one off of my list and move it on up because it's along the same lines but there is a i wouldn't even call them a band necessarily um they're kind of more of like a uh let's just call it music 
group. Um, mm -hmm. You know, their website says a duo, and the name of the group is Thievery Corporation. And the two guys who founded oh, it, yeah. are Rob Garza and Eric Hilton. But Christine and I have seen them in concert together at least a dozen times. And she's the one who introduced me to them. So she's probably seen them twice as many times. Over the years, they have a kind of a rotating cast of characters who play with them depending on maybe what city they're in or someone left the band for a little while and did like a solo project. But the way that they describe themselves is an electronic music duo, but they mix in elements of dub and acid jazz, reggae, mm -hmm. Indian classical, mm -hmm. Middle Eastern music, hip hop, electronica, Brazilian music. Uh, it's just very, it's unique. I've never heard anything like it. And I would classify most of their music as, as mellow. Um, mm -hmm. Before I ever went to one of their shows and took an interest in their entire catalog, you remember the movie Garden State, or at least the soundtrack yeah. from the movie <laughs> yeah, Garden yeah. State? So one of their more popular songs, maybe most popular song, is called Lebanese Blonde, and it was on that um, soundtrack, and that's not the one that I'm choosing for our playlist. But um, they, similar to the band that you just described, have a very like, just unique sound that I haven't heard anywhere else but i enjoy seeing them live yeah um it's just good music to kind of you know chill to um and that's kind of my my main thing but the song that i am choosing for this playlist is called the richest man in babylon and mm -hmm. there's a version of it on youtube which i don't think is on apple music and spotify you can definitely listen to like a version of it on those those two platforms but there's a version of it on youtube which they recorded in dc where they were based like kind of in their in their club and the way that it was shot was really really cool um you know and you can really get a sense of their flavor from from that and just the different um musical influences that make them so unique um so i love that you're a version guy <laughs> you're like Babylon. you've got yeah, to I'm find a, this specific oh. version on youtube <laughs> well so this is this is what's going to be frustrating about this particular playlist because i have a couple other covers on here and i have like specific versions which a lot of them only are on youtube which is what's great about youtube the youtube a, one will be our purest version of the playlist yeah, <laughs> yeah because there are some that's just like the uh, you know the the studio version might not um yeah, match I, up i but, get that um, Richest Man in Babylon by Thievery Corporation is going to be my third song on this I love that. particular playlist. Yeah, and I I will say, like in contrast to how you just described that, Hallucination is in no way mellow. So <laughs> yeah. it's very intense, but as is a lot of powwow music. So mm -hmm. um, I just love that they're just like have this whole new style that they've basically coined and they're mm -hmm. actually based in Canada. I did forget to mention that. So, um, bear witness and Tim, what is his name? Tim Hill. Yeah. Um, he goes by, he goes by tool man. So I always forget his, his name, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, bear witness and tool man. They're like, they're at the head of hallucination and yeah, they actually have incredible albums in the past too. So like to go back and listen to their discography, I, listen to it all the time. It's like such hype music. I love running to it. So great recommendation for running on that front. But um, all right. So let me get back. I feel like I'm looking at my phone way more than I normally would when we're recording because <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of where we are. But my next song is going to be by 
probably one of my all-time favorite bands and it's it's much more contemporary like they're they're a newer band and it feels early on in their career to say that they're like one of my all-time favorite bands but they've been around for several years now so I feel like that's okay it's Mount Joy I've talked to you about Mount Joy Mm -hmm. several times I have to put a Mount Joy song on this playlist I just saw them in Red Rocks so I picked a song off of their uh, brand new album and it's called Orange Blood which is okay. also their um, it's also their album like title track, and I just have a hilarious anecdote too about Mount Joy because they they're a group of um, they're a group of like younger people and I think they started based in Philly and I think a couple of their members the lead singer and the guitarist were like friends growing up and they kind of just slowly formed a band over time I feel like they're very popular in like Colorado they're kind of like giving Lumineers vibes a little bit Um, I know that they were slated to open for the Lumineers right before the pandemic hit and that tour got canceled but I feel like they've made it on their own accord now I think that was kind of a big break for them at the time Mm -hmm. and now they're headlining you know Red Rocks in their own their own tour um, all across the country so we're such big fans. Reed, my partner, loves finding new music, and that's kind of his thing. Like we, I've talked about it before. We live for like Friday music, new music Fridays, uh, and we stay up on Thursday nights and we like pour ourselves drinks and we start listening to music at ten o'clock here because it's usually midnight Eastern time that things drop. And he found Mount Joy. Uh, right before the pandemic hit in 2020. Uh, maybe he even found them in 2019, but he kind of put me onto them in 2020. And I remember I walked, I got home. It was it was literally the week of the pandemic. Like <laughs> it hit, it had been really rough. We decided to call off our College Horizons program in person. Um, so I was under a lot of work stress in, in March of 2020. And I came home one day and Reed was like, hey, like, I think I found your new favorite band. And I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, I was like not in a good mood. And I was like, I was like uh sure Reed you're always giving me new music like fine throw it on a playlist he gives me a new playlist like once a month and I'm like trying to keep up with how much music he listens to and I listened to their album and I was like yeah it's fine like I kind of shook it off and over the course of the entire pandemic like I have to say Mount Joy is primarily what I listened to and Reed loves to rub it in my face that he's like I told you this was (laughs) going to be your favorite band and now it's literally your favorite band Um, I love Orange Blood specifically because I feel like I listen to them so often in the pandemic that they have this line in Orange Blood the song that says let the desert sun decorate time And I just think it's such a beautiful line and such a beautiful lyric because I felt like I was so grateful that I moved home before this huge like tragedy hit in the pandemic. And I just had to like live out my time here in New Mexico. And I just had to like, I don't know, I feel like I I had to kind of be content with the fact Mm -hmm. that we just had to fill our time with stuff that didn't necessarily feel productive, with stuff that didn't necessarily feel like I was pushing anything forward. It was like I was just, I think it it taught me to enjoy home again. I was really nervous about moving home and having things to do or feeling like I was going to miss the East Coast and where it was fast paced and lively and like, was I making a mistake moving home? So there's kind of like a deeper personal meaning for me in it. But Orange Blood is a beautiful love song, actually. And it's um, Matt Quinn, the lead singer, it's a tribute to his girlfriend. And so there's, there's, just, it's a beautiful song. Like, I just love it. I love the entire vibe of it. They opened Red Rocks with that song and I am obsessed. So I had to put a Mount Joy song on here, but if I had to recommend, I would also say their first, um, 
their first album titled Mount Joy is probably my favorite album of theirs. So yeah, I had to give a shout I out. I knew that you were going to put a Mount Joy song. Yeah. I didn't know which one. <laughs> Just because you have raved about them on this show at least once, if not twice before than some of our offline conversations, you've told me to check out Mount Joy. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to piggyback off of you one more time because, uh, as you probably guessed, the Lumineers are on my playlist. They I knew it. I knew it would be. <laughs> my favorite band of, let's just say, the last 10 to 15 years. And I was first introduced to them in, God, it was um, as I was moving out to California. So it had to be like 2010. And mm -hmm. this is before they really hit it big. They hit it big in 2012 right. and really. I know. Blew I was a fan like, in 2010 too. <laughs> yeah. Like Hohe is like the yeah, song yeah. everybody everybody knew initially. And, you know, their catalog has only grown since then. Their popularity has only grown since then. Um, you know, we've seen them. Oh, God. I've probably seen them five times, maybe six. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, I've best seen them once. show that I've seen was at the Greek in Berkeley, very small outdoor venue. They came out into the crowd and played like four rows away from us. It was just incredible. Oh my gosh. That's um, I mean, I could do a whole Lumineers playlist oh, on its own. I could too. I um, actually didn't put the Lumineers on here because I was like 100% Mario's going to put the Lumineers <laughs> on and they were in my honorable mention. I have a Lumineers song, but I'm so curious as to what song you picked. <laughs> do you have any guesses? I've, I'm I think it may surprise you. Really? I'm wondering if it's, is it from the new album or is it from an older album? Oh, that's going to narrow it down quite a bit. It is from the new album. Okay. I thought, I figured. Is uh, my favorite song off the new album that I picked actually for our honorable mention, I'll just kind of sneak it in here right now, was Never Really Mine. But okay. I don't know. I feel like you're, that's not the same vibe as you. Like you've, I feel like you might have picked like AM radio maybe. Precisely. That's exactly Wait. the one effect. <gasps> You're joking. Yeah. No, I'm not joking. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> this um, is how much time that, we spend talking about music. I know exactly which one you would pick. Yeah, no, that um that is the song that Wow, that I'm very I chose. proud of myself. And there is again, like there's a great acoustic version of it on YouTube, which I will link to, but the studio version Oh, I don't think I've seen that. Is is great too. Um well you'll get to listen to it, watch it, uh when I send it your way. But what I love about that song in particular, there is a lyric that I'm going to pull out, but the, the whole song is about the importance of following your life's calling. And they mm -hmm. shot the video yeah. for this at their old high school in New Jersey. I mean, a lot of people well. know the Lumineers as a as a Denver band, but they actually yeah. <laughs> are from the East Coast and they hit it big when they got to Denver. Um, but they were like in New Jersey, New York. Um in a lot of their early years and the the whole song is about you know just you know stay, staying with your your dream like not giving up on yourself um yeah. and i i just love like the reflective nature of that um and there is this is uh this is like the the dorkiest thing in the entire world but like in the chorus there's a, a line that says um long as you run i couldn't give you up forever run i couldn't give you up so i love the word yeah is i know um, i mean i, I and, love that too <laughs> yeah and i will um i will absolutely like just belt out at the top of my lungs singing that in my car uh with no one else around because one christine <laughs> would never let me do that and two i wouldn't subject anyone else to my terrible <laughs> singing um but like it just i hear that song and it just um 
yeah, it just like kind of energizes me and um, sort of puts me in a good mood. So that is my my sole Lumineers entry. I had multiple that I could have put on there for various reasons, mm-hmm. but I think there's probably some recency bias there, um, which is why I chose it. Um, yeah. And there is a, a very particular version, surprise, surprise, on YouTube that uh, I will link to that I would like people to watch and listen to. That would be awesome. Yeah. I felt the same way when I was looking through the Lumineers catalog. I know how much we both loved the new album. I was like really trying to like hold myself back from putting something on from the new album because I was like, I bet Mario's going to do it. But when I was looking at the old albums, even though I love them and still jam to them frequently, they mm-hmm. felt like a different version of me. I don't know. It's <laughs> like, these are definitely a lot older. Like they're bringing back memories of a different time. So um, I was thinking, I think more recent too, in some senses. Um, all right. My fourth what was song. that four for me? So, yeah. Okay. Four. Yeah. F- okay. We're on your fourth. Let's we're go. on my fourth. This one's really exciting because I'm going to see this song live tonight. <laughs> um, so I picked Texas Sun by Krung Bin and Leon Bridges. And mm-hmm. I, I absolutely love Krung Bin. I got turned on to them more recently. So maybe like last year. So I haven't been following them too long. They've been they've been around for a while. They've been around since 2009. So I'm late to the game on Krongbin, but they kind of live in like the soul, R&B, funk, global music realm. And they just released an album, which is actually really timely. They just released an album last week uh, on my birthday, which was cool. And it might have been the they day did before that just my birthday. For you, you know. Yeah, it was like right on my birthday. And they did uh, they did an amazing collaborative album actually with uh, View Farka Toure, who is an African guitarist, and his dad is Ali Farka Toure. So if anyone listens to global music out there or like is a huge guitar fan, like it, you will probably know who he is. He's super famous. And I actually went down a rabbit hole. So his son is View Farka Toure and Ali has since passed away, passed away back in 2006. But his son is equally as talented and kind of carries on his legacy. And since this guitarist like had such a strong influence on Karungbin, they brought his son in to do a collaborative album with them. And Mm -hmm. it's a totally, it's like a newer style for them. I mean, it's very reminiscent of what they've done, but it's a very cool album. Uh, I really like it. Again, it's a little bit off base for what I would normally listen to in terms of genre. And Karungbin very much stays with that Leon Bridges vibe of like, I would say like soul more uh, R&B and funk. And so I'm just excited that this is kind of like a new time for them. He's a uh, view Farka Toure is actually opening for them. And then I assume they're going to do some of the songs from their, uh, from their new album together. So I'm seeing them tonight at the Santa Fe opera, which is a really beautiful venue in Santa Fe, super, super fancy and fun. Um, and Reed's, uh, Reed's agency is putting on the concert. So it's going to be just like really oh, fun to, cool. <laughs> yeah, really fun to get to go and, just like hang out and and listen to Karongbin and Texas Sun is the song that I picked and it is such a beautiful song the band is based they're they're not I don't know if they're based there anymore but they're from Houston Texas originally mm-hmm. and I love Leon Bridges and so this song features Leon Bridges and I think especially paired with Orange Blood if people can't tell I love songs that aesthetically um, remind me a lot of like the desert and like the southwest and sunshine sure. and that's very much who I am and I like to like ride in my car with uh, just like you said kind of cheesy and corny like I like to ride in my car with the windows down and like jam to some really soulful music that is a tribute to you know the land around me so I feel like this song 
is very much that. It's beautiful. They actually put out a, a couple different um, pieces with Leon Bridges that I suggest checking out as well. Texas Moon is another EP they followed it with. Incredible. There's a song on there called Chocolate Hills. Also amazing. I feel like it's like the companion piece to Texas Sun. So um, I just I recommend checking them both out. But I think Texas Sun is one of the best songs that Kurungbin has done. And it's just it's kind of one of their more well known tracks. But I can't I can't leave it off because it's just so good. It never gets old. <laughs> That's another one I had a feeling you were going to put on because we caught up on the phone last week. You had asked me if I'd heard of Karangbin. I was like, yeah, it's yeah. a new one for me. And you're like, you need to check it out. And I was like, you, I think I you would really like yet, them. Full disclosure. I will. I, I definitely will. Um, and kind I have a hipster pick. <laughs> we talked a few days ago. Um, but I mean, I take your recommendation seriously. So I'm excited to check that one out. And I will enter the fray with Texas Sun. That sounds great. All right. Back to me. Um, I'm going to hit rewind and go back to a time before I was born and a song that I grew up with um, because my mom loved it. Mm. And the song is Ain't No Sunshine and mm-hmm. the artist is Bill Withers. And of course. <laughs> I have always loved that song and it's it's not the first or the only or the most important song that reminds me of my mom or my parents or my childhood, that would actually be the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun, which I I did not Mm. include on this playlist, but it is on this playlist I have on my uh, phone called Soundtrack of My Life, but that's neither here nor there. The reason I chose this song, um, there is, surprise, surprise, a version of it on YouTube from 1971, I believe, Mm. of Bill Withers performing it live and it's just my favorite version of it. I love the studio version as well, but this was the song that really went big for Bill Withers. It was the first song yeah. that went big for for Bill Withers and um it was played like, you know, all over the radio. I think like my mom probably listened to this song in you know, I I guess probably like high school um or so like so just thinking about like her during that time and like this was like the music that she grew up with and it was a song that you know she really enjoyed every time she heard she played it around the house um all the time so i grew up with it and then once i kind of got more into music as an adult and went down rabbit holes as i'm apt to do and found like different versions of of this song um it really just meant a lot to me as well and I won't include it on this playlist, but there are actually some amazing covers of this song. And there's two that really jump out to me. And I think I've included these in my newsletter mm-hmm. in the past. But there's one from Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I believe it was, from several years ago. And Stevie Wonder played uh, Ain't No Sunshine in front of Bill Withers. Like Bill Withers was sitting next to him on oh the stage. Gosh. He just had this smile on his face and like he's listening to another legend play his song. And he, and he was just so happy. Um, just seeing the smile on his, on his face is really, really cool. And then the other version, which I really enjoy, and here's a very underrated artist, but... Um, the lead singer of Maroon 5, Adam Levine, he is really... Mara, do you know everything happening with him right now? What's that? Do you know everything happening with him right now? No, I I don't. He's all over uh, 
social media right now. You should check okay. It out. Well, this is why I'm not on social media. Don't <laughs> don't why. ruin it for me. I maybe won't. I'm carry I'm on. Completely. <laughs> Maybe I'm completely out of touch, but this is just a very specific use case. He does a cover of this song, and he did it on yeah. Howard Stern's show. And mm. there are a lot of like just great musical acts uh, through the years that have gone through Howard Stern's studio. And this one actually wasn't even in studio. It was, I believe, a, a pandemic recording. He did it at his house. But um, Bill Withers was a mentor to adam levine and he played the song as a tribute to him and it's really good it actually really is good and and i do think adam levine is a great musician i know nothing about him personally or what's going on in his life um, so don't hate on me for any of that uh that is not even the version that i'm putting on this playlist we're going with the original bill withers of ain't course. no sunshine from 1971 uh and that is my fifth entry i believe on our playlist classic i love it that's an amazing song like it just never gets old yeah, exactly. All right. My fifth entry is one one of my all-time – this is definitely one I put on because I was like, it's my all-time – one of my all-time favorite songs probably <laughs> and okay. like of my whole life. And it – I can't even say at this point it even has a specific meaning or time because I've just listened to it through so many different phases of my life. And although I'm a 90s kid, I understand that it's pushing it because when this came out, I was three. So <laughs> – I feel like I feel like part of being a 90s kid also means that you were mostly in childhood during that time and not actually going through like angsty breakups during that time. But I could not have a single playlist in the world without Alanis Morissette on it. I am just I'm an Alanis Morissette uh, stan. Like I'm obsessed. I feel like you probably knew I was going to put an Alanis Morissette song on this. <laughs> I, I did, which similar to why you didn't put the Lumineers on your playlist is why I didn't put Alanis Morissette on mine because Thank I you. had a feeling. <laughs> that you would put her on yours. Can I guess the song? Sure. You can guess the song. Okay. Um, we all know it's off one album, so you've, you've narrowed it down. <laughs> yeah. Is it ironic? No. Not that okay. basic, but... <laughs> no, no. I love ironic. I love this whole album. I know every word to the entirety of Jagged Little Pill. Um, it is not. I'm actually... You ought to know. It, that was my second choice. Very close. Very okay. close. It's all I really want. And I'm actually kind of a first track girl. Reed and I laugh about this all the time because I think albums have an ebb and flow to them. And for some reason, I feel like the first track of an album really sets the tone to an album. And it's often my favorite song on albums. Orange Blood is also the first track on Mount Joy's album. All I really want is the first track of Jagged Little Pill. I think it has an incredible opening. I think it's like one of the angrier songs. <laughs> and it's something that I've just, it's so nostalgic for me. Like, I think it's interesting that I didn't grow up with her in the same way that I did like some other artists like Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. But um, I think kind of like you were talking about with Lauren Hill, there's sort of this like timeless quality to it. Yeah. And I, you know, with Alanis, it's complicated because this wasn't this. A lot of people think Jagged Little Pill was like her first studio album, but it, it was like her third album. <laughs> it wasn't her first album. And so I feel like she really struck gold with it. It had six singles on it. It had nine Grammy nominations. She won album of the year for it. I mean, it was just like incredibly successful. And then I feel like I did not vibe with her music as much moving forward because she took a much more... Um, a much different like approach to her music and it got a little bit different it got a little like synthy it got a little like it just got a little different in style i've listened to some of her yeah. other pieces as well but um this album represents like sort of i don't know like 
anger and emotion for me, but it's something that I can listen to when I'm in a bad mood. It's something I can listen to when I'm in a good mood and it will bring me to um, like a centered place, even though it's extremely like high energy. And I think it has a lot to do with breakups and like horrible men throughout your life. Right. Like, <laughs> and I mean, that's a theme very, throughout that's, the album. That's it. That's, it's a, it's yeah. an album about like how, you know, how you move past like being mistreated by terrible men. So I think for me, like, that's just, it's something that has walked me through several different like breakups, mm -hmm. several different um, things in my, like crossroads in my life and things like that. So it's more of just like a nostalgia thing for me. I've learned more about her too, as I've gotten older, like she put, they put out a documentary about her. I forget what platform it's on. I don't, it's not on like a mainstream one. I want to say, or it's not like Netflix or Hulu. I want to say it was like mm -hmm. HBO max or Amazon prime or something. But she talked a lot again, similar theme about all of the mistreatment she faced as a young woman in the music industry. And for her, it started from when she was really a teenager, just being mistreated by managers and executives and getting, you know, pulled into rooms and pushed out of rooms and just all of, all of the above and how she wrote that album. And it really did come from a place of like anger and, um, and growth, you know, through that anger. And so I really appreciate that. I love Alanis so much. One of my favorite moments from, uh, I just, I got back last month from Wazelle's bird camp out in Pennsylvania, it's just, which is a running retreat. Um, and it was, there was a dance party at the end of the night and I screamed, you ought to know, out, like at the top of my lungs, actually, and all I really want. So this, this song as well, scream the song at the top of my lungs with Kara Goucher, just emotional, like release <laughs> at this dance party with all the women uh, who run with Wazelle and, and some amazing athletes. So it's very, it's a, it's a cathartic listen. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to resonate with a lot of folks who are listening to this, especially the women, maybe some men too. But that was a defining album for her um, in her career. But it also serves as a bit of a generational marker for yeah. the 1990s. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I would agree with you in terms of where she took her music after that album. I mean, like, I can't name another song that she did after that and i know from actually having gone to one of her shows just a few years ago that's mostly what she played um, yeah was yeah stuff well, a broadway musical about it what, now yeah that's what people want to hear um but i i knew you were going to pick alanis morissette um <laughs> i wasn't sure exactly what song and that one quite frankly was a bit of a surprise so oh no i can you. i can be an angry feminist sometimes <laughs> like in the best way alanis is like representative of how i usually feel so <laughs> Well, to keep it in a, a similar time frame and to highlight a female artist, this one probably won't come as a surprise to you because I think it was the last episode or maybe an episode before that we talked about her and I had put links to a couple of her songs in my newsletter, but I'm going Is with Cheryl? Cheryl. Oh, it's Jewel. No, it's not Cheryl, <laughs> but uh, Cheryl did make the honorable mention list. Mm, okay. uh, she did not okay. make the, she did not make the playlist. Um, but I'm going with Jewel. And because there are no rules on this, um, I'm kind of combining two birds with one stone here. And just hear me out for a second. So one of my my favorite artists, if not one of my, my if not my favorite artist of all time is Neil Young. Mm -hmm. And there are any number of Neil Young songs that I could put on this list. And I still might at the at the very end, but um, I'm gonna 
I'm going to kind of combine the two with this one, but Jewel does a cover of Neil Young's Needle in the Damage Done, which she's done on Howard Stern and she's done it in a couple other places as well, which is just phenomenal. And I actually like it better than Neil Young's version of Needle in the Damage Done. And um, she did it on Howard Stern and they talked about it uh, afterward. And he asked her why she likes that song. And, you know, they talk about how it's about, you know, damaged people who have gone through some, you know, difficult times in their life. And they, you know, they both know, meaning Howard and Jewel when they're in this conversation, like know people who uh, have kind of just gone down the wrong path or made some bad Mm -hmm. decisions and it damaged their life. And she just sings it in an incredible way. Um, Mm. I don't know if you can get it on Apple Music and Spotify, but there are a few YouTube versions of it, uh, which we it's will always, include on the playlist. Anytime I talk to you, there's a, there's a YouTube version for it. <laughs> You're like, this yeah, let's, is a, I a deep track and a specific version. <laughs> I'm very particular about the versions that I that I choose. But beyond that, um, I just love Jewel so much as an artist. I think oh, I the <laughs> path that she has followed in music is very much her own. Mm-hmm. And she's super talented. I mean, you know, she could just start singing in the middle of the street and it would be an amazing show, like with no instruments or anything. I mean, give her a guitar and that goes up like 10 X. Like she's just phenomenal. Um, and she has this wild story of, you know, growing up in Alaska and like I know. kind of being homeless and getting into uh, school for talented young artists and ending up in San Diego and living out of a car and playing in coffee houses and getting discovered and, you know, this whole thing. And she's another one like Alanis Morissette, I think, is a generational marker of sorts. I mean, a lot of her, you know, a lot of her hits, I think, were in like the mid 90s, like 95, like You Were Meant For Me was 95, Foolish Games was like 95, Save Your Soul was 95. Um, Another song I almost added, which is hers, is called Hands, which I think was a few years later. And there's, again, another very specific version of that that I would link to. (laughs) Um, But uh, for for this choice, I'm going with her cover of Neil Young's Needle and the Damage Done. And the reason I chose that is I love that version of it. And I just, I love Neil Young and I, I want to include him on this list and I still might at the very end, but if I don't, at least I've kind of covered one of his songs by another artist who um, did it justice. I love that. I love Jewel. My mom used to play Jewel all the time. And I know I, I know I told you uh, that earlier this summer I saw her live and it was honestly beautiful hearing her talk about her career to the audience. She opened for train and brought down the house. Like people were clearly, there were some people that were clearly there just to see Jewel, which I think is really oh. amazing given that she was an opener um, because she talked so candidly with the audience about how she probably could have taken a different path in music path. and been mm-hmm. even more famous. Cause I, I do think Jewel is like underrated and a little bit maybe like underrecognized just a bit. And um, she just said, I just decided to prioritize happiness. And I think that really is like, says a lot about her as an artist. And it was, it was just like a really beautiful performance and it, it like totally blew my sister's mind and she's, you know, 19 and she was like, who is yeah. Jewel? And it was amazing to introduce her to that. So I know very sad, but, but she knows now yeah. and she got to be introduced to Jewel live, which is just maybe the best way to be introduced to Jewel. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a that's a cool story, and I'm glad that you mentioned her storytelling skills because she does a lot of that. Go to YouTube, just watch her live mm-hmm. shows, and she talks about just the journey that she's been on. And when she was first being courted by major record labels, they obviously spotted her talent, but then they wanted her to go in a particular direction because that's what would sell, you know, millions upon millions of albums. And she you know, like a lot of the women that we've talked about in this episode, stayed true to herself and did what she felt was right, even if it cost her, you know, several millions of dollars or recognition, whatever it was. She's like, no, I won't, like, I want to stay true to myself and the music that I want to play. And I have a ton of respect for that. Um, And that goes for, you know, Lauren Hill, who we talked about earlier, maybe not so much Alanis Morissette, because she went the other way and it just wasn't great for a while, but then she kind of came back to her her true self or the stuff that, you know, people really know her for. But um, yeah, shout out to Jewel and the cover of Needle and the Damage Done. I love that. Well, on the topic of, I think, again, women who have sort of paved their own path and also push back against like societal norms in their music. I had to put a Lizzo song on this playlist because I'm a fan of Lizzo. Lizzo. Yeah. I, and I've had, I've had such an interesting journey with Lizzo this year because she dropped her, uh, she dropped her sophomore album. She had put out cause I love you, which was her first album in 2019. And I found Lizzo way before she popped off with her first single. I don't remember what her first radio single was. Um, at this point, I forget which one it was, but it was definitely a recognizable one. And that's where everyone was introduced to her. But again, Reed, who is always saving me with music recommendations, found her in like 2018 or 17, like when she had just been putting out kind of like little pieces here and there. Um, (laughs) sorry, Tahoe just ran behind you. (laughs) Hold on. And he's about, um, Hold, just hold that thought because I'm going to put him back in his bed because he's about okay. to bark at someone out the window. Hey, buddy. He's got oh. like a spidey sense. Like the So we're, I'm in my office, obviously, and um, we have like a, a common area behind our yeah. townhouse where we live where anyone can go and play. And he was like laying in his bed behind me, like dead to the world. And he just like – He knew. Ha- like, yeah, I mean he didn't even look out. The, he can't even see out the window. I've got like the curtains up. And um, – <laughs> And he like sensed that, that there was a dog out in the yard and it was a dog that he doesn't like and he just started, you know, barking. So anyway, he's in the hallway now. He'll have to sit I outside until uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's great. I mean he is he is the best. But um he did interrupt the show. So we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to go back to um you know, back to where you were. Yeah, she she released Cause I Love You in twenty nineteen, which was her first album, and I found her in twenty seventeen or eighteen through Reed and at that point, she was just releasing songs like one by one. I want to say maybe she had like an EP out that was a maybe a collection of songs that would later be on the the debut album. But she was very new to the scene and not a lot of people knew about her. And we were listening to her all the time. And I was so into her music. I was like, OK. And at that point, it was very boppy. It was very much like pop mm-hmm. music, high energy, you know, ready for the radio, I would say. Um, but then when she dropped her album, some of her deep tracks were amazing, particularly her odes to herself. I feel like that's the best way to phrase it. Um, Lizzo, as many people know, is, uh, you know, a, an advocate for, I think, body acceptance and and body positivity. And she is a fat black woman who has talked a lot about her journey in her music and her music is very much a reflection of like her experience out in the world um, as a black woman. Uh, And so 
her second album, I was anticipating it. Like I, I know Reed always tells me that expectations are pre-med- premeditated yeah. resentments. And I anticipated it so much that I think when I first listened to it, I was like, I'm not sure I love this as much as the first album, but I've been listening to it pretty much since July nonstop. And yet again, it's really not the radio singles that are speaking to me. It's her deep tracks. So I chose a song off of the new album, which is titled Special. um, And the song is called Naked. And it's really an ode to her body. And so it's something that has meant a lot to me. Like I've gone through a lot of body changes and it's interesting because it's relevant like both as a runner and as a person like I've had to deal with so many like new injuries and weight Mm -hmm. gain and then weight loss in the pandemic and then weight gain again and I, I I've not ever struggled with an eating disorder but I feel like I have struggled with like body image and had to just like figure out where I fit in the running industry as um a plus size native woman and so Lizzo is somebody that has had like a really like emotional and big impact on me as a woman of color specifically. So the song Naked is really incredible. I can't even really pull out a lyric. Like I feel like it just needs to be listened to. And it's it's one of her slower songs. It's like a ballad and it's it's beautiful. The first time I heard it, I basically cried. Like it was just a really beautiful song. So I really wanted to put one of her deep tracks on here that that could maybe introduce people to some of Lizzo's songwriting abilities as well um, as, you know, just her general her general music. So yeah, that's my next pick. <laughs> Theme that has developed throughout this episode is you're picking the the deep tracks that people otherwise probably wouldn't hear or find on their own, which I appreciate because I'm going to dive like headfirst into it um, and listen to a lot of those where I'm choosing for the most part fairly recognizable songs, but as we've discussed uh, ad nauseum throughout this episode, like very specific versions of them. Yes, um, I, I appreciate I think, your specific versions. <laughs> I think I think and hope that we're complimenting each other uh, pretty well in that regard. Well, my next one actually, um, funny enough, is not a, a specific version, though there are different versions of this song, but it's one that I have kind of grown up with and found on my own when I was in high school. And I couldn't tell you at the time what it was about the song that really appealed to me. I watched a lot of MTV in high school, so I watched a lot of like music videos. And I remember this this music video. The song is No Rain by Blind Melon. Oh my and, gosh, I, I love this song, Mario. <laughs> and, and they are in a field of sunflowers. And that's like the visual that I have. Like I just remember that that field of sunflowers. And it's a very like you know, slow kind of melancholy song. And yeah. when I first discovered it in high school, this is in the, the 1990s. It was only a few years old at that point. Um, I, I really think it was just the music video that appealed to me. I was like, Oh, I like all the, I like all the sunflowers. It's got like a catchy little jig to it. Um, and as I've gotten older and that song has stayed with me, um, whenever I'm feeling just kind of like down and depressed, um, Mm -hmm. that's a song that, that I listen to and it doesn't necessarily bring me out of it. Um, which is the, the interesting thing. It just kind of helps me to feel more comfortable when I'm in that place. Um, because I mean, if you, if you look at the lyrics, I mean, it's like, 
all I can say is my life is pretty plain. Uh, you don't like my point of view and I'm insane. Um, and he's like, I want someone to say to me. I love that you chose this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's like, I, w- I want someone to say to me, I'll always be there when you wake. And um, it's just, it's it's kind of a sad song, you know? And he it talks is, yeah. About, like, Melancholy is a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, like how his life is pretty plain. He likes watching the puddles gather rain. Um, like, I just, I don't know. I mean, that song has been with me now for... God, probably 25 years um, or so. And and it's still one to this day that now when I'm in that mood, I, I haven't watched the, the video in a long time, um, interestingly enough, but like when I'm just feeling kind of down, like that's a song that I gravitate toward. And, and it brings me some comfort. Like it, it is like kind of a comforting song. It's not to like put me further into a hole of, of sadness, but it just makes me feel um, more comfortable in those sad moments. I love that song. And I just, I got to say, like, it's very nostalgic for me as well. Shout out to 100.3 FM radio in Albuquerque, (laughs) the peak playing all of my alternative indie, you know, hits when I was eight at home. And I got to know so much music from the 80s and 90s through that radio station. So I love that pick. I am a big fan of that one. And I didn't expect that for you. All right. Glad I could surprise you. On yeah. No, I mean, it's very much along your line of music. I just like didn't see that coming. And I'm like pleasantly surprised with that song being on our playlist. All right. My next pick is kind of like you mentioned uh, the Bill Withers song, Reminding You of Your Mom. This is a song mm-hmm. that I had to put. I had to put something on here that reminds me of, of Dougie D, my dad. And... He, he would probably know, like, I actually have two songs on this playlist that remind me of my dad or were at least introduced to me by my dad and then became a part of my catalog. But I had to put a Steely Dan song on here. Um, I'm a big Steely Dan fan. I know most of, of like Steely Dan's discography. I have talked on our show before about um, some podcasts I've listened to around Steely mm-hmm. Dan. So this song is actually interesting. I got to know it through... I. I later found out like growing up that it was a song that was the title track of a movie that I've never seen. Um, so the song is FM by Steely Dan. And it's so funny. I just said, I'm a first track girl. It's the first track on Steely Dan's, uh, decade of Steely Dan, uh, album. And I want to see, let me see when they released that actually. 1985. So, um, and this was like essentially a greatest hits compilation. So, you know, if you're a fan of Steely Dan, you know, they've been around for, for many decades now for a long time. And so this song is the first song on that greatest hits album. And I remember my, I, I like can visually remember the album. It's gray. It has a little red bar across it because we had it on CD and my dad would always play it from start to finish when we were driving to Boulder you know, for, we drive to Boulder all the time for various things. (laughs) And, um, he played it all the time. And so because it was the first song, I think it has this like very, like it puts me in a place where I can imagine being on a road trip with my parents and no offense to my sister, pre my sister. (laughs) It has nothing to do with her being absent. It's just that I was like, I was an only child until I was 10. So, um, it's just a different time in my life. And I, it's, it's funny. I never knew what they were talking about. I never knew what any of these songs were about at that time. And then I think I've grown with the music a lot. Um, so I still love FM. It just has this really nostalgic, um, sound for me. It's very funky. It's very fun. It's was recorded in the same time as their studio album, Asia, 
So they did it at the same time, even though it was for a movie soundtrack. And so it's kind of in that same realm of their music. So, and I read that several members of the Eagles are in the background vocals of this song specifically. So just cool, a lot of cool trivia around it. <laughs> so I knew you were going to pick uh, a Dougie D song. Um, and I thought it was going to be an Eagle song. You know, my dad is has many influences influences on me, and that is one of them. And the Eagles were on my honorable mention. However, they did not make the playlist. Yeah, but I mean, Steely Dan FM is a that is a great addition to the playlist. I love that, um, and I I love that it was a like a first track, uh, and that wasn't necessarily your intention in choosing it. But yeah, I know kinda, I didn't know actually ended it was up the first way. track until I went back and I was like, wow, that's totally why it reminds me of this time because it was the first thing that played when we put it on uh you know the CD player. It's your new nickname, Danae First Track Dormy. <laughs> I know. Rita's always like, I know you're gonna love the first track. <laughs> um all right. So let's see. I have done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So I guess I'm on eight. So I have three three left. Does that sound right? Yes, because I also have three left. Okay. Um, the next one that I am going to choose is relatively recent, but it's just a song that's personally very meaningful to me. And um, there is a specific version of it. It's the acoustic uh, version, one of the acoustic versions that is actually on Apple Music and Spotify, but um, I do like watching it on YouTube. And the song is Beloved by Mumford and Sons. Mm. And the, yeah, uh, the original version of it is is pretty up-tempo. Um, and it, it's a sad song. And I mean, Marcus Mumford wrote it about his grandmother's passing. And my grandmother, who I was very, very close to, passed away in early 2020, January 2020, right before um, the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And that song was like my anthem um for i mean it, it still makes me think of her every time but mm. but during the time that she passed it was like if i was driving i was like listening to it and you know in tears i'd be blasting it um and it's you know it's it's a beautiful song i mean in the acoustic mm -hmm. version i think just given what it's about and if you you know if you look at the the lyrics i think is a better representation of it mm. um it I've is i've not heard that version know, the, so i'll have to yeah, it out, yeah there is an album version a studio version it's just you know it's just a little bit more up tempo same lyrics yeah. everything but i don't like it just doesn't feel like it fits as well um but the the acoustic version is my favorite version of it um it's personally meaningful to me it reminds me of my nana um and marcus mumford wrote it for his grandmother who had passed away and and just like not every single word, but I'd say 95% of them just like resonate with me completely. Um, like, I'm like, oh, I could have, I don't have his talent, but I'm like, I could have written this song and it would apply um, almost like exactly to me as it's, as it's written. So uh, I am adding Beloved, the acoustic version by Mumford and Sons to my playlist. I love that. I also love that because you love these different versions, I think it's very much a testament to how much the the music and the instruments behind lyrics mm -hmm. can change a song. Like you said, yeah, totally. I have heard the album version, but I'm excited to hear the, I can totally hear that acoustically. So I, I feel like it just changes so much of a song and covers too. I feel like similarly you bring it. Yeah, I things. think that's what I love about covers and just alternative mm -hmm. versions of, of songs, because I do think it can, it can change the song. Even if the words don't necessarily change, I think 
in this case, the acoustic version is just a better fit for what the song is about, at least to me. I mean, there's probably someone else out there who's like, I hate the acoustic version. That's fine. Um, but I I think it's a better fit. And I mean, yeah, that could be a whole nother episode where we just talk about covers and, you know, different versions of, of songs and yeah. what's a better fit, uh, so on and so forth. But Yeah. Reed yeah. and I have a great playlist on Spotify that's just all our favorite covers of things. Um, so that's just funny because I, I feel like we also love covers and yeah he's I've had two on this them. list so I'm, yeah I'm clearly, no for sure <laughs> clearly for sure. among the the cover lovers all right so my next song is oh yeah let me make sure okay my next song is one that I was like okay how can I accomplish two things with one song kind of like <laughs> what you've done with a couple and for me it was like I really wanted to put a Cheryl song on there and I really wanted to put a Lumineers song I felt like maybe one of us would pick this but I had to put the cover um, by Wesley Schultz of, from vignettes yep yes. from vignettes which is an amazing album of covers if people I know we've talked about it on here before but really highly recommend it um, but the song is if it makes you happy which is originally by Cheryl Crow but is performed by Wesley Schultz, the lead singer of the Lumineers. And I don't great choice. I don't yeah, I don't have a particularly deep explanation for this, just that it is a beautiful piece of music. And as a huge Cheryl Crow fan and like understanding her her impact on the landscape of music as well as a woman in the industry who is wildly talented. Like if you really look into Cheryl Crow, she can play like every instrument. She is an incredible writer. I mean, just like really resilient person and just an amazing story. Actually, I've, I've listened to a several hours long podcast about her on Bandsplain and it's, it was incredible, but, um, I loved that song reminds me a lot of just growing up, you know, like, I feel like playing that song in the car. I feel like Wesley Schultz just did this like crooning, beautiful version of it mm -hmm. on vignettes. And it was by far my favorite song on that album. And, I have it on vinyl, listen to it all the time. It's an example of one of those moments where I think it brought out different, I think different pieces of the lyrics for me, or it made me like feel the song differently. Um, it's definitely got a, a more like melancholy, sad energy to it, but it's still a song about if it makes you happy. So there's this like contrast happening in the song between the lyrics and his sound. That's very beautiful. So I just, yeah, I love this song so much and I really wanted to find a way to incorporate both Cheryl and the Lumineers on the playlist. I know you like this song as well. So I felt like it was very representative of us. <laughs> I, I love, I mean, that's exactly what I did with Neil Young and Jewel. I love that you did that with Wesley, Wesley Schultz and Cheryl Crow. And that is an amazing cover of that song. And I, I will say like Wesley Schultz vignettes album, which he released in 2020 during the pandemic, it was his pandemic project. Um, his bandmate, Jeremiah Freights released one called Piano Piano, which is just yeah, also um, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. I mean, no lyrics at all. Just just mm -hmm. um, piano and which I love. I love, I vignettes, work and study to piano music. Same, so mm -hmm. <laughs> it, same. Uh, and I, I had them, I had a couple songs on there as honorable mentions, uh, but they won't make the main list here, but vignettes was my favorite album of 2020. I thought I'm, I love covers as we just talked about. Um, I love yeah, Wesley Schultz pick. of the Lumineers. I love the songs that made it onto that album. Um, he covered counting crows, Mrs. Potter's lullaby, yeah, which so I actually good. like yeah, I like it better than the County Crows version of it. I love My City of Ruins, which is a yep. um, Bruce, Bruce song, Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen song. Mm -hmm. And um, I – first track. I'm a first track girl, even though I didn't pick that. <laughs> my City of Ruins is so good. I think that's my other favorite song on vignettes. So, yeah, people should really go listen to that album. We both love it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, this is our show, so we can kind of do uh, whatever we want. But also on the Vignettes album, he covers um, Tom Waits' Downtown Train, which mm-hmm. a lot of people – including myself for a while, I thought Rod Stewart sang that song and my mom loved Rod Stewart. So I grew up with that song. Um, But it's actually a Tom Waits song. And Tom Waits is just like one of the most underrated and incredibly brilliant musicians of all time. And I mean, talk about a unique sound. I mean, just go search for him on YouTube and listen to some of his stuff. Um, But that version of Downtown Train is just I, so good. I mean, it just feels like Wesley Schultz was meant to sing that song. Not adding it to my list. This is a, let's call it an extra honorable mention, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but since we're talking about the album, uh, that was my favorite album of 2020. I listen to it all the time. Um, I love that you have it on vinyl. I still haven't gone that route yet, but I do have it. Oh, it's beautiful on vinyl. But I read an interview with him where he mentioned that he, well, first of all, he recorded it in a few days, which is Really cool. But second of all, he said that the reason he did an album of covers is so that he could save all of his good ideas for the Lumineers when they uh, resumed activity because he was in a pandemic and he didn't want to record a solo album that Mm -hmm. felt like he was using original ideas just alone without his band. So he kind of did it as a way to like kill time before going back to Lumineers, which is which is really cool because it's like brought out a different creative energy inside to him. And it truly is one of his best works. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree with that. He actually did a virtual concert um, probably a month after that album was yeah. released, and I um, I bought a ticket to it. All I did the too. Proceeds <laughs> went to, I can't remember exactly what the proceeds went to, but it was for a good cause. Yeah, um, he was just in his like basement studio. I know. Uh, just I remember playing. I was like, this is so good. Um, yeah, anyway, Reed and I like and poured on. some drinks and watched that on our TV as well. So that's funny. <laughs> All right, so at some point we're going to do like a, a Lumineers themed uh, playlist oh, show yes. and try oh, to gosh. try to whittle it down. I could definitely. Um, do that. <laughs> all right, we got two left, I believe, and my next one. The band will probably not surprise you. I think the song might surprise you, but uh, okay. I'm going with one of my favorite bands of all time, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, when I was in high school, I knew you would. I yeah. had. <laughs> a list of kind of life goals. And one of my life goals in high school was to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers live, which maybe doesn't seem like such a big thing. But when you're like a, you know, young kid in Massachusetts, and it's this California band, and you've never been to California, it just seems like so far, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know when this is going to happen, or if this will ever happen. And it finally did happen. um, Actually, not until probably like, eight years ago, I think is when wow. I saw the Chili Peppers yeah. for the first time. Yeah. And I've seen them two other times since then, but have always loved their music um, going all the way back to like Blood Sugar Sex Magic, Under the Bridge um, as a as a song off of that. I mean, I've just, I, I mean, Christine and I's wedding song was hard to concentrate, um, is hard to concentrate, still our wedding mm-hmm. song, I guess. Um, but love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But um, because I wanted to include some newer music on this, which I did with Lumineers and AM Radio, I'm also going to pull one off of the Chili Peppers' latest album. And do you have any guesses as to which song it may be? Uh, okay, let me see. Man, there's so many. This, I forgot how long this album was, the new one. It's a long album. Yeah. <laughs> you pulled it. You said you pulled it from the new one, right? Yes, from Unlimited Love. Mm, Black Summer? No, but that would have been probably my second choice. That was the first song. The, that it's the first track, Mario. 
<laughs> of course it is. Um, but I mean, while we're talking about it, Black Summer, I remember listening to that for the first time and I was like, oh, John Frusciante's back. Um, I mean, you can just tell listening to that I remember song. us talking and, about how much we loved mm-hmm. the second half though, too. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. <laughs> But it, but it was not Black Summer. Okay, tell me what it is. Summer. Tell me what it is. <laughs> I chose Veronica. Oh, that was my second guess. <laughs> Unlimited Love. I just really like that song. And Great song. There are, there are lyri- I mean, a lot of the Red Hot Chili Peppers lyrics just don't make sense. Um, but yeah, you can make trip. sense of them <laughs> yeah. for yourself if you want. But I just, I love just the beat of that song. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a good energy to it. Um, I, I'm still like trying to dissect it and figure it out, but he, you know, he's at the beginning, Anthony says, he's like, my name is Veronica. I come from the South side of Chicago. And then later on, he's like, my name is Nebraska. I live in the max matchbox of Omaha. Um, and he kind of goes through, but there's a line in there that I love where he says, my name is, I love you. I come from the same place as everyone just lucky to be here. And I just, I'm like, and it, and it keeps going. It's mm-hmm. like, um, like I love, or we love you the same way. I love you the same way. And this heart is relentless. And I just love that stanza of, of lines. And I'm like, man, that's just, I mean, who knows why he wrote it? I mean, a lot of his set, a lot of his stuff uh, can be nonsensical, but I'm like, that just like that, that stanza, like just really like spoke to me. Um, yeah. I just, I just loved that part of the song and um, it fits into just, you know, a, a, a good high energy fun song um that i that i really enjoy but it's it's mostly because of that stanza where he says my name is i love you um which is i think the third or fourth um time where he's like my name is something so anyway veronica red hot chili peppers off the latest album unlimited love I no love particular so version of it um the studio yep. one is just fine so <laughs> a rare thing for you <laughs> yeah rare thing for you um fun fact too uh dave navarro who plays a guitar and on uh, for red hot chili peppers are used to uh and flea who's a bass player played uh on jagged little pill be- the album from alanis morissette because she didn't really have a defined band at that point dave navarro is now with jane's addiction but um it's just a fun fact that later and then later when she toured jagged little pill taylor hawkins who recently mm-hmm. passed away former drummer for the foo fighters was um the person who performed jagged little pill most often with her but there's a big Red Hot Chili Peppers Alanis Morissette tie. <laughs> Another fun fact, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. is a huge trail runner and is one of what? my like three pie in the sky guests. Oh my god, we got to we got to get him here, Mario. On my podcast. Um I if anyone listening to this has an in with the Red Hot Chili Peppers please and can connect me to Flea and Ask him if he wants to be on my podcast for me. Please do. I will be forever grateful. Honestly, um, Reed might be our closest in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Reed might be our closest in on that. Um, so if you want to help me out with that, uh, that would be great. But no, he's a big-time trail runner. He runs along Wait, that's um, so cool. the trails in the Santa Monica Mountains all the time. Of course he does. Wow. That's amazing. Reed actually just – I say just, but I think it was in the pandemic. He read Flea's um, autobiography. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which is really good. I've not read yet read it. A few excerpts I need to of do it. that though. Yeah. 
All right. Um, my next pick is, I think, number nine. And I had I could not have a playlist without Fleetwood Mac on it. So I'll just start by saying that. Um, this is Fleetwood Mac. I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. I, I in college, once <laughs> made a kind of a, a drunken decision um, to buy tickets to Fleetwood Mac for a lot of money, <laughs> a state over um, in, in New Jersey, or I guess a couple, but it, you know, not too, too bad of a drive um, with one of my friends. And it's because my dad was actually visiting me in college and I, he was like, he went, he went and uh, hung out with me and my friends at a bar and it was really, really fun. And we played rumors on the jukebox all night mm -hmm. and this was like a tequila bar so it was just really funny that everyone there was like why is the entirety of rumors playing on this jukebox on a saturday night and it was all thanks to our table um all of my friends and my dad uh which was great and uh he was like yeah i mean if you want to see fluid mac he's like they're definitely not in their prime anymore but go for it so uh, me and my friend rent woke up the next day rented a car, drove ourselves to New Jersey, and we saw Fleetwood Mac live. Um, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. It was just a goal of mine. I think similar to how you feel with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was like, I don't care what phase they're in. I know it's not 19, I know it's not 1977 mm -hmm. anymore, but I just have to try to see them, you know, in, in my lifetime. And so I felt like that was the time and I saw them live, which was an amazing life moment. But I picked Rumors is obviously, I think, most people's favorite album of Fleetwood Mac. I just think it's a masterpiece, and so I've listened to it a ton of times. I think there's a lot of songs I could have picked on it, particularly lead tracks and singles. So I just wanted to pick a song that's fun and kind of brings, um, I think, brings a lot of just nostalgia for me and and mm -hmm. I think also took on new meaning as I grew up with them as many of these other songs I've stated have you know as you as you go through breakups and as you go through life experiences or tragedy even the loss of people um you know school whatever it may be so the song I picked is never going back again and um, I, I absolutely love I that, that song. One. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not one of the singles off Rumors, which I tried to pick something that was going to be a little bit maybe more in the background. But it's it's even hard. Like for me, I'm like, how does everyone not know every single song on Rumors? <laughs> um, but Never Going Back Again was a song written by Lindsey Buckingham pretty much about the breakup with Stevie Nicks um, when he was on on the rebound. And so I I love that song. I love <laughs> all the crazy drama surrounding their band. And I've done so much, I think, retroactive research and uh, things about Fleetwood Mac and listened to their entire, you know, catalog. And they're probably one of my all-time favorite bands, thanks to my dad, who played a lot of Fleetwood Mac growing up, um, right there with, you know, the Eagles and, and the Who and other bands and the Rolling Stones, but Fleetwood Mac always spoke to me. I'm a big fan of Stevie Nicks and some of her solo work as well. So yeah, had to include a Fleetwood Mac song. Oh, I love it. I love it. All the connection. Great choice of song, by the way. I love all the connections. I love the nostalgia behind it. I love that you, I, I love the story that you shared, which I think you've shared on this podcast before, maybe with me um, offline, but I'm glad that everyone gets to, to hear that. I mean, that is... Um, the devotion of a true fan right there. So. It, it is. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I've been a big Fleetwood Mac fan and I love too, that it's just so bolder. Like it's so bolder 1970s, um, which is when my dad was in college at CU Boulder. And I feel like so much of his musical 
interests that really came from that time in his life. So it also places me in a place to be like, oh, this is what my dad was listening to in college. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what was like on the radio. This was kind of what his experience sounded like. And I listened to that in college. And I think it was really fun to just experience what my parents did, you know, through music. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's, I mean, I said that earlier about Bill Withers. I mean, that was my mom listening to him in high school, I think. And I'm just like thinking, thinking about that, her at that age, like listening to the music, uh, on the radio and just feeling a connection to it. And it stayed with her, um, through her life. My last song, my 10th one, which I think is going to totally surprise you. Uh, one that you did not see coming, but is also very, I mean, completely nostalgic. Um, it's a song that I grew up with, um, but reminds me of my mom because she was a big fan of this artist. And at the time I was probably eight or nine years old. Uh, this was like early 1990s between say eight and 10. Um, so I think this song came out in like 90 or 91 or 92, something like that. Um, but was on the radio all the time. It was a Mm -hmm. hit. Um, and I, to this day still have this song on a lot of playlists. I listen to it. Uh, it is completely disconnected to every, I shouldn't say completely disconnected to everything else that I've, I've mentioned here. I'm sure there are some connections, but, um, seems at least for me, like the out of left field addition to my playlist and it's Bonnie Raitt's something to talk about. Oh my gosh. That song is is completely nostalgic. Reminds me of my mom. It would come on the radio all the time when she was driving me to school or to practice. She would sing along with it. I remember that she saw Bonnie Raitt in concert probably two or three times when mm-hmm. I was a kid. Like any time she was in the area, I think she went as far as like New York to go see her, which was probably like a three four hour drive from our house. Um, she would go see Bonnie Raitt, huge Bonnie Raitt fan. Um, I love, I love Bonnie Raitt. That's such a cool pick. And and this song is, and there's no particular version of it. Um, but I always, I'll probably find a live one to add to the YouTube playlist, but it's just a, it's kind of classic Bonnie Raitt. I mean, I think that's a song that really, um, you know, defines her, but she's such a talented artist. She's 72 years old. Uh, she was just recently profiled, I think in the New York times, if I, I'm not mistaken. Um, I remember reading a profile on her and I mean, just, you know, phenomenal female artist, um, started playing in the seventies is probably played with everybody. Um, you know, that song in particular, I think is probably her, you know, her biggest hit, or at least the one that people are most familiar with, but, um, she influenced a, a lot of, other artists around her time and certainly in, in the years after. But for me, it's a nostalgic song. Reminds me of my mom. Um, I just remember how excited she would get whenever mm. that song in particular came on the radio and whenever she was coming around to, to play a show, um, she always got tickets. Uh, so that is my 10th and final song on this initial playlist that we've put together here today. Wow. I love that pick for you. And actually it's going to flow very nicely into what is going to be my 10th pick. So my 10th pick was, um, my 10th pick was, uh, where did you sleep last night? So, Mm -hmm. which you made your first pick. So I got to bump in an honorable mention so that, cause we have an extra spot now and 
I feel like it's actually it's actually very beautiful. It was my I gotta say it was probably my favorite song of the pandemic. So I feel like I feel like for me the pandemic really isolated a time period of music for me. And like I had songs that got me through what was a very hard time, I feel like, for a couple of years. And music was a big part of that. I mean, music is what we talked about all the time. Reed followed his dream of working in music after the pandemic. And so like just my household changed a lot. And um, and I had to do an ode to my love for country music. And so it's very interesting that you picked Bonnie Raitt as your last track. I know she's a little blues um, as, you know, that's like kind of her trademark, but but she's played on country music radio stations all mm-hmm. the time. So um, for me, that's kind of how I was introduced to Bonnie Raitt. But I picked a more contemporary country song and it's a very beautiful one that ha- meant a lot to me and I just saw it live <laughs> um, so I went I went to Las Vegas <laughs> and I celebrated my 30th birthday at Miranda Lambert's residency show and uh, Velvet it was called Velvet Rodeo and I had an amazing experience because when I walked in with my birthday crown and sash they uh, saw me and like picked us out of the ticket line and they pulled me and my you know four friends aside and they were like hey do you guys want to get um, bumped to the pit for VIP you know VIP like access and we were like what so they put wristbands on us we got to go we had like second level like second tier seating you know we it was perfectly fine but it was definitely far back And we got to walk all the way to the floor level and we were the front row of where she sang most of her uh, ballads and just like just some of her slower songs. And it was the most beautiful thing. I almost cried. So Miranda Lambert has a song called Bluebird and it is super meaningful to me because there's a lot of lines in there about just I think overcoming like a difficult time in your life, which Mm -hmm. is why I think it resonated so much with me, um, in the pandemic. And it's, it's about her thirties, which at the time when I was listening to it, I think trying to grapple with just like entering a new phase in my life and entering like adulthood. And, um, I, I got engaged right around that same time. I, I was feeling very disconnected from friends and family, I think. And this was a song that always put me in a good place. There's a lot of beautiful lines about like making the best of worst situations. And so I, that's, that's why I picked it. And it was going to be my first honorable mention song, but I'm actually very happy it gets to be on here because I, I really did just see it live. So in terms of just like you said, recency bias, like it's something that I've listened to. It's like had a resurgence. Like I listened to it a ton in 2020 and 2021, but it felt like, um, it felt like it kind of came back to me when I saw it live and it's just meant a lot to me lately. And so, especially now that I actually did turn 30 and so seeing it live meant even more, um, and being in the first row and capturing it on video and just like watching her perform it was a great way to ring in 30. (laughs) So it feels like a a kind of a new era for me. So I'm glad it, it made it on the playlist. And I think it also represents Miranda Lambert's um, growth as an artist. Again, a woman in country music has gone through a lot of drama. Like she was married to a huge country music star, Blake Shelton, and they had a very public divorce. And um, most people probably know him because he's a judge or coach on The Voice. But um, they had a very public divorce and she wrote this song after she quietly and privately got remarried. So it represented a new time for her. Chapter for her. But, um, But it was very cool because she didn't always write her old singles. And so... I I considered some other songs from her, one of them being The House That Built Me, so that was like another honorable mention for me. 
beautiful song, like just an amazing song about going back to your childhood home, looking for answers and trying to understand, um, your like sadness as an adult and like going, kind of going backwards and, and visiting the house, you know, the house that built you and understanding those memories and trying to gain something from that visit. It's a, it's an incredibly beautiful song, but it was written for Blake Shelton and, She resonated with it and performed it, but she did not write it. And I really wanted to put a song on here that she um, that she co-wrote and had a a big hand in and that represented who she was as an artist. So that is why I did not pick The House That Built Me, although that is one of her most beautiful songs that I did see live. Um, Bluebird is more of like the the one that hits me deeper. So there you go. That's my little that's my little country music plug. Um, I know a lot of people have a lot of feelings around country music and especially me. As a Native woman, you can encounter sometimes really misogynistic lyrics, outright racist lyrics. Like there's definitely a lot of things happening. And I, I'm not, I also try not to be a country snob in the sense that I'm like, I only listen to old country. I love old country. I also love a lot of contemporary country. Um, but I do try to listen to a lot of like female artists and appreciate the songwriting in it. And I think also just as much as, um, even though I'm a native woman of color, like on the res, like all that plays on the radio is country. So, you know, it's also like when I'm, when I'm visiting my family at home or here in New Mexico, like that's a huge genre here. So it's just something I grew up surrounded by. Uh, but I really, I'm glad I got to include a country track on here. So thank you. <laughs> that's a great choice to round out your list, especially since you did just see her in concert that it's personally meaningful to you has had a bit of a, resurgence i'm i'm really stoked with how this turned out um i thought this was a super fun episode you got 20 songs everyone out there listening to 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 check out um we will include them in the show notes there will be a spotify playlist an apple music playlist and a youtube playlist with my very particular versions of some of the songs (laughs) that i chose um on behalf of Danae Dormy, I'm Mario Fraley. Thank you so much for listening to Common Ground Episode 8, and we will see you at the end of the month. Yeah, for sure. We'll have more updates then, and I hope everyone enjoys our music. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to both New Balance and Arena for making it possible. The Fresh Foam X More V4 from New Balance has quickly become a favorite of mine for recovery runs on the road. It's packed with plenty of plush foam underfoot, making it a perfect option for when I'm feeling a little beat up and I want some extra protection between my foot and the road. It's available on newbalance.com or at your favorite run specialty retail store. If you don't have time or just don't want to go to the gym, Arena is a serious strength training solution. Their product, which is a stealthy looking metal plyo box with a cable based resistance system, replaces a whole kit of free weights and bands. I've been using my Arena unit for a few weeks now, and I don't have to think about it, which I just love. I just find the workout that I want to do on the app, and it counts my reps, remembers my weight, and guides me through the entire workout. Check out Arena and learn more on their website at arena.fit and on social media at go.arena. 
Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man, John Summerford. He has produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Chris Douglas for being my right-hand man and handling sponsorship sales, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM Shakeout social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at the Morning Shakeout, but these three guys have been crucial in helping keep things running smoothly here. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter, also called The Morning Shakeout, at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe, and in it, you'll get a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of Common Ground.